Hello again, everybody. Um, it's now time for us to turn to God's Word, and I'm going to ask you to bow with me and pray. Today, we begin a new series in uh, Parables Jesus Told in the Gospel of Luke, just the ones in Luke, and not all of them, about half of them or just under half. So we start that series today. So bow with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you might enable your Holy Spirit to open our eyes and our minds and our hearts to the truths of what Jesus said, that we might not only hear, but that we might also do. Speak to us and shape our lives, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, like I said, today we begin this new series, and I guess it's a good way to begin is by simply asking and answering the questions quickly. There's more information in your bulletins that uh, you would have received on Friday, uh, this weekend. Uh, what is a parable? Why did Jesus use parables? And what principles do we need to know when it comes to interpreting parables to make sure that we're understanding them correctly? Well, what is a parable? Well, simply, the famous old adage was to say it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And that's not bad, it's simple and it's memorable. But the parables are not always stories. But they are always comparisons, comparisons to things in this world and they could be common, ordinary things, they can be fictional, but things of this life and world that have a parallel to or a connection with the kingdom of heaven, with the spiritual world. That's the way the Creator has deliberately designed a connection between this world and the spiritual world so that this world illustrates and clarifies for us, explains to us what the next life is like. And Jesus uses those sorts of parallels to open our eyes to spiritual truth. Uh, but also, it's, because it's common life, they, uh, we are reminded of them. And so God is like on a repeat, that He is saying the same message to us again and again and again to help us get it. Um, the parables primarily are given to reveal truth, not to conceal it. Sometimes they're a little difficult to understand, but that's an invitation to think about it more deeply and question and probe. The parables, Jesus says, are revealing the mysteries of the kingdom. So it's about kingdom secrets, family secrets. And there's one of two responses you can give to that. It's like, <clears throat> well, I don't understand it because therefore I'm not part of the family and so I give up. Or secondly, it's, I don't understand it, but can I join the family? God, can you have mercy on me and give me an understanding of what Jesus is saying? It's an, an invitation to come and join, to be enlightened. And God, of course, in his sovereignty, uses these stories, uses his word both to enlighten those who have a heart to want to seek him, but also he can use the same passages and truths to harden the heart of those who are not interested, who are indifferent. The same sun melts the wax, hardens the clay. Same biblical truth can soften our hearts and shapers or it can harden unbelief in those who are not interested, who are indifferent to the truth of God. So there are certainly negative impacts from the parables, but there's also positive truths and you'll read about that in your bulletin. Um, the primary principle is that generally they have one point and we should look for that major point. 
not every detail in the parables has a meaning or a secret code or something like that. It's, it's not an allegory, it's a, a story or an example from real life that carries some sort of spiritual truth. So, let's turn to the Bible, Luke chapter 6. <clears throat> We've had that passage read to us this morning, the end of what is called the Sermon on the Plain. And in Luke chapter 6, the Lord Jesus has chosen His 12 disciples, who are going to be called the Apostles. Around them are a group of other people who follow Him, other disciples. But in verses 17 and 18, we also read that people have come from other districts and areas to come and hear Him. They've come to the, to the Lord Jesus to hear Him and to hear what He's going to teach. But they also come for healing and for deliverance from demons and, and so on. You can read about that. And so Jesus gives instructions primarily to His disciples, but with the others listening on. And at the end of it, Jesus gives this um, challenging as well as confronting warning. It's interesting, the Sermon on the Mount, verses 46 to 49, concludes the Sermon on the Plain with this story of two builders building a house and the house one collapsing and one standing. Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus does exactly the same thing, tells a similar but different story of two builders who build a house with two different results. One stands, one doesn't. In the Matthew account, Matthew chapter 7, the end of the Sermon on the Mount, it's called the wise and foolish builder. Luke doesn't do that, and we ought not to confuse the two stories. They're very similar, but they're different. We should notice the differences. In Luke, it's about two builders, and one builds with a foundation, and one builds without a foundation. And that's where the point of the parable is for us. That's the main point. Let me read to you verse 46. The Lord Jesus has spoken to this large crowd and He's come to the end and He gives this challenge. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? So apparently and obviously there were people who were calling themselves disciples of the Lord Jesus, that's calling Him Lord is the language of discipleship, and calling Him Lord, Lord, this double emphasis is like a strong affirmation that we respect you, we are here to serve and to obey you. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but don't do what I say? Some of the followers of Jesus, inverted commas, followers, probably self-appointed self-deluded, um, they did not take what Jesus said seriously. They were not committed to doing it um, and they were not in the habit of obedience. So Jesus ends the sermon with a challenge to those people particularly, but inevitably to all of us. In the Great Commission, let me remind you that at the end of His ministry, before He departed, ascended back to heaven, the Lord Jesus gave us the commission to go into all the world and make disciples not make decisions, make disciples, to baptise them, in the name of Father, Son and Holy Spirit, um, to teach them to obey everything that He had taught us. Discipleship is about obedience, that's the link. The evidence of true faith is demonstrated in a life of obedience. Many today call themselves Christians, they talk about Christ, 
But you look at their life and they have the same sins and the same attitudes as people who don't name the name of Christ around them. And it's not just talking about Jesus that makes us Christians or followers, but it's living for Jesus. It's obeying Him. The evidence of faith, as I said, is obedience. So, the Lord Jesus, in verse 36, challenges the people. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Verse 47, he says, As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they're like. So, just before we get to the parable, the story, or the illustration, notice the three things that Jesus says. I want to give you an illustration of what it's like for the people who come to me, the people who listen to me, hear me, and the people who put what I say into practice. Those are the three key components of authentic discipleship, coming to Christ, hearing Christ, and then obeying Christ. Back then, in the ancient world, they quite physically came to the Lord Jesus to hear Him. We still do that today, but we do it personally, privately, but we also do it corporately, that when we come to church, that's the body of Christ, and we are gathering together, we are coming to Christ. We do it at other times in other ways too, through conferences or through seminars or through books or lots of other ways. And the point is that we are coming to Him in the presence of others because Jesus does not want churchless disciples. He wants disciples in community with one another. So coming to Christ, hearing Christ, the people who come, hear my word. And of course, not everybody present is listening. Many people listen to sermons like, if you've ever been on an aeroplane, like many people listen to the flight attendant when she gives out instructions, um, you know, safety instructions. You know, the heads are down buried in a magazine or the earphones are on and nobody's paying attention. Well, very few people are paying attention to them. It must be a hard gig to speak to a group of people, several hundred people, and nobody is really interested. I've flown many times and... I've been guilty of doing exactly that as well, of, oh, I know what they're going to say and so I don't need to tune in. One flight attendant got so exasperated by it once um, that she modified the words of the instructions she was giving. When she said, uh, when she came to the part of when the masks drops down, she said, place it over your navel and continue to breathe normally. No one seemed to notice. Many people listen like that. We are half-tuned out, more focused on our own agenda, our own things. We're easily distracted by things. And Jesus is saying we need to come to Him, we need to listen to Him. It's a skill that we have to develop, as well as an awareness that we don't live in a playground, we live in a battleground. As nice as this world is for many of us, and lots of things that we can do to entertain ourselves and to please ourselves it's a battleground a spiritual battleground there is an evil one there are spiritual forces of darkness who are opposed to us who don't want us to come and if we do come they don't want us to listen and if we do listen then they most certainly don't want us to obey so there is this spiritual battle going on I can remember once I was on a flight to Narendra visiting my dad and uh, from Sydney to flight to Sydney to Narendra, we, uh, this strange smell came into this small wreck's cabin and it was like the smell of burning 
rubber or burning plastic or something and the flight attendant came she had a card this time she wasn't just saying it off rote she didn't know it off by heart she hadn't done this one that many times and she's shaking and she's reading out that there is an emergency and that we have to land immediately at Canberra airport diverted to Canberra and normally when a plane comes in they like circle and then go down gently and this one that's an emergency landing they just went straight in and the plane landed 500 meters away from any building we disembarked we had to leave all of our belongings and just get off the plane and you know there were ambulances and fire engines and all of that was present and we then walked to uh, the buildings where we were able to get coffee and uh, refreshments and a couple of hours later everything was fine and <coughs> fixed or whatever and we were put back on the plane when the flight attendant read the instructions that time, there were no heads bowed. Everybody was looking at her. Everybody was listening intently to every word that she was about to say. That's almost the attitude that we need to come to when we're hearing God with a, a focused of these are the words of Jesus. And this is life and death impact. So true hearing is a skill that we need to be aware of and to develop. Um, we need to come with a desire to listen. We need to come prepared to listen. It'll be good to pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for the preacher. Pray for the people around you. Maybe bring your Bible and a journal and a pen or your tablet and uh, so you can take notes by typing or writing. But we need to come prepared to hear with a view to learning so that we can be doing. That's certainly what the Lord Jesus requires of us as disciples. Those who come to me, hear me, and listen to or do put into practice the things that I say. Jesus says, let me tell you what they are like. Um, in verse 48, the Lord Jesus says, they are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the floods came, the torrent struck that house, but it couldn't shake it because it was well built. When we come and hear and practice, we're like a person who is building a house on rock. In the ancient world, in Jesus' world, building a house, just like today, requires strenuous effort. But in Jesus' world, they only built in the summer, the rains came in the winter and so they would go out on beautiful days, hot dry days and try to build their houses before the winter rains came. And so when they went out to various locations, some builders would not build on rock. The good builders, if you ask them, um, how deep down do you have to dig and the answer was always the same you hit rock and there's rock everywhere in the ancient world in the land of Israel uh, some of it could be 10 feet down some of it could be quite shallow on the tops of hills it was not very deep but down in the valleys you had to dig way down the good builders were those who dug all the way down regardless of the effort and the soil has a high clay component so in summer the clay hardens and becomes as hard as bronze the book of Leviticus says as hard as bronze and so the good builders have to put in effort. They have to dig down. They then, in the process of digging down, are laying a foundation. 
That's what we do in our lives when we come and hear and practice. We are laying a foundation in our lives, a foundation of being built on the rock, of being built on the truths of the Lord Jesus. Because the floods will come, the storms will come, troubles come. And the way to be secure, to be stable, to be solid, is to be a person who is obedient to the principles and the words of the Lord Jesus. By obeying Him, He is the anchor of our life. He brings security into us. That's what an authentic disciple, an authentic follower of the Lord Jesus is. So, are you listening to the words of Jesus? And more than listening, are you practicing them? It's a great temptation just to hear, to enjoy, but not actually to implement. Not just, it's good to increase Bible knowledge, but if it stops there, it's inadequate. <clears throat> in fact, the Lord Jesus will go on and show what that is like in verse uh, 49. He says, but the person who hears my words and doesn't put them into practice... So they've increased their knowledge, they've come, they've heard, they have no intention of doing anything about it. Well, they're like a person who built a house as well, but they built it on the ground, not on rock, and just without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapses and its destruction is complete. So it's a, a picture of two different sorts of builders with two different sorts of results. There are two types of people, those who in their life have a foundation and those in their life who don't have a foundation. And the difference primarily of those two foundations is uh, those who obey the teachings, the words of the Lord Jesus, and those who don't, those who just listen but don't bother to do. Um, they take the easy way out. Digging through hard soil in summer in Israel was hard work. To dig down 10 feet, 3 metres, required great strenuous effort. They just said, well, it seems like it's solid ground. We'll just build here. We won't dig down to rock. And in the good times, it probably looked okay. But eventually, winter, the rains will come and the clay will soften. And the texture of the, found of the base of the house will become like the texture of a chocolate pudding. And so walls begin to buckle and eventually a wall will collapse. And when the flood comes, when the rivers swell, the house will co collapse completely. Total destruction. All because of the lack of a foundation on rock. That's the difference that obedience to the commands and the instructions of the Lord Jesus makes in our life. So what kind of life are you building? <clears throat> what foundation are you laying? Are you digging deeply into Christ? You need to build your life on obedience to the Lord Jesus. So what can we do about this? Well, when you come to church, come prepared to listen. When you open your Bible at home, Read it carefully and listen to what God is saying to you. Take note and take away from every sermon that you hear, every conference you attend, every book that you read, every time you have a quiet time and read your Bible, 
what one verse or what one idea will I take from this passage or from this talk? How will I implement that in my life? What do I need to do to be obedient to what God is saying to me here? Read through the, uh, ch just the chapter of Luke, the sermon that Jesus preached on the plane, and you'll see that he's got a whole list of different ideas, of values of what it means to be a follower of him. It's short, sharp, punchy, have a read of it and see which any of those stand out for you. And then it becomes a process of, Lord, what do you want me to do about this? How do I implement this in my life? It could be correcting bad behaviour, it could be implementing good behaviour. But either way, the Lord Jesus is wanting to grow us, to strengthen us, to bless us by providing us with a strong, secure foundation. Every Sunday in churches all around the world, thousands, millions of messages are being taught. Preachers speak a lot of words, but the point is, far too many believers, far too many Christians will do very little about it. They come, they hear, enjoy the fellowship, no change, no implementation. That's that spiritual battle that you need to be aware of and that we need to stand against. In the book of Ezekiel, there is a, a sad indictment. In chapter 33, <clears throat> um, God says to the prophet Ezekiel, pretty much similar to what Jesus is saying here. In verse 30, As for you, son of man, your people are talking about you by the walls and the doors of the houses, saying to each other, Come and hear the message that has come from the Lord. So people are coming to hear the prophet, to hear Ezekiel. And God says, my people come to you as they usually do and they sit before you to hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. Um, their mouths speak of love, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. There is this show of devotion without a demonstration of it, of obedience. Indeed, God says, to them you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well, for they hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. Ezekiel 33. It's like God is saying, Ezekiel, you're like you're a person at a concert and you're singing a love song and the people hear the song, they enjoy the music, but they have no awareness at all that it's for them that it's not just a love song about somebody else, it's about them, it's for them. So they enjoy the show, but it has no impact in their life. That's the great danger. So let me encourage you to read through uh, Luke chapter 6, hear what God says, and every time you open your Bible, and I hope it's every day, as you read it, what has God said to me? And what am I going to say to God? What am I going to do about it? Remember, James says that we need to be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Well, that's exactly what the Lord Jesus is saying to us in this parable. This very interesting parable. It's not about the wise and foolish builder. It's about a builder who built with a foundation. And it's about a builder who didn't. We need to build with the foundation of the Lord Jesus into our life. Let me lead you in a prayer. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we want to thank you again for your word. Thank you that you have gifted it to us. Thank you for your spirit and thank you especially for the words of the Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, this is a great spiritual gift. Forgive us for neglecting it, or for taking it for granted. Help us to be people who come to Jesus, who hear him and who then do what he says. That we just don't call him Lord, but we demonstrate our submission to him by following him and obeying him. Heavenly Father, disturb our sleep if we are not practicing and doing what you require of us to do. We ask this for Jesus' sake and in his name. Amen. God bless.